I think we're going to have her. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Good to see you all. Good to be with you. If you want, we'll uh, stand and uh, we'll pray and then praise God. Father, we love you. We thank you for the sunshine. Uh, we thank you for this building you've given us for the heat and just um, the seats to be in and just to gather in your name, Father. So we're here for you. Uh, we sing these songs to you. We hear your word. Um, and uh, let it work in us and move in us and help us grow today. Just pray for this season, uh, for the craziness it brings, but for the joy uh, and the hope that we have in it, uh, all because of you. So we praise you for that. And we give this morning this time to you. Uh, we lift you up, Father. We have heard on high, sweetly sing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echo back their joy and strength. Be seated. 
for Thanksgiving? Do you have some pictures? No? Okay, that's okay. We fed about 380 people, and we have an angel tree. What? Come on. Thank yourselves. You guys did a good job. You guys fed 380 people that came here that didn't have any other families to be with. And they got to sit around, watch the game on TV, and be able to be with us. So God is thanking you right now, all of this congregation that pulled in and did that. Um, we also have an angel tree out there. What we did this year is we thought the kids in the community get a lot, so we thought we would do a senior citizen angel tree. So anybody that was 65 years or older got to do a placement on the tree. And if you guys want to take one, Laura and I have made up on the back of the ornaments what you need to do, like buy your gift, wrap your gift. The two column gets the number because you're not going to know who it's for. We're going to deliver. And if you guys know, you guys are going to be going caroling with right hand. Everybody knows who right hand is, right? Zimmerman. That's his nickname, Zimmerman. So everybody call him right hand when you guys see him. He'll answer to that. He's going to be doing caroling with his, uh, with his uh, Bible group on the 18th. We're going to incorporate that with the delivery of our angel tree. Okay, so if anybody can go caroling, we're going to meet at the fellowship hall on the 18th at 1. We're going to hit out. I'm going to bring the van. We're going to, if you want to ride with us, you can. If you want to drive and meet, whatever you want to do. But we're going to deliver to the houses, and we're going to do some Christmas caroling and get out for them. Okay, another announcement we have is in the hallway over here, we do have sign-ups for the kids' wing. It's a new year, right? It's coming up, a couple more weeks, right? So the kids need us down in the kids' wing. So what you guys have to do now is what we're going to do is we're going to walk out of here after we're done. We're going to head down that way, and we're going to take a little pen, and we're going to write our name on a slot that you guys feel comfortable with. And if you don't feel comfortable, then we're going to step out of our comfort zone, and we're going to just sign it and go with it, right? So everybody's going to come down there and meet us, and everybody's going to sign their name on a slot that they want to do. You only, can, you only have to do it once a month, once every two or three months. You don't have to do it every day, every, every Sunday. Just we need signatures down there because these ne kids need help. The second one I wanted to mention was um, we got our angel tree. Everybody knows how to do that. I think that was it. Now they want me to read over here on this thing, but you know what they did to me? They said, you do announcements, Rachel, and then you can read over here on the Advent, and then they put it all in Latin. Here we go. You guys ready? This week is the second week of Advent. Advent is the season in the church calendar when we observe a time of expectation of the arrival of the Christ's birth. The word Advent comes from the Latin meaning arriving. Traditionally, during Advent, we reflect on some of the attributes that the faith in Jesus Christ, peace, love, faith, and hope. This week is peace. There is an old Latin proverb, I'll try this, sive vice pacitum paradimitum, if you want peace, prepare for war. The story of Rehab, the second woman in, the Ma in Matthew's genealogy, gives that ancient age of a unique twist. Unlike Tamar, before her, Rehab was an actual prostitute, not just pretending to be one. She lived in a doomed city of Jericho, destined to be overrun and destroyed by the armies of Israel. Recognizing the God of Israel as the one true sovereign of heaven and earth, Rehab made a separate peace with the people of Israel and with her, their God. She sheltered the Israelite spies and helped them escape, asking that she and her family be spared in return. As a public token of her new allegiance, she hung a scarlet cord out of the window of her house, in plain view of her own people. 
so that everyone within her house would be spared by the advancing armies. To an outside observer, everything would have seemed to be against Rehab. Not only was she a prostitute, but also a Canaanite, the member of a people of group marked by God for wholesome judgment. And yet, not only did she save herself and her family, but she joined the faith community of Israel, married into the royal tribe of Judah, and became the mother of Boaz and a notable ancestor of Jesus. Her place in the Lord's lineage is a powerful reminder that even in the face of certain judgment, peace with God is available through faith in the coming Christ. Stand with us if you'd like. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new I see all I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. faithfulness oh God my father there is no shadow of turning with thee thou changes not thy compassions they fail not as thou hast been now forever will be to cheer and to guide 
strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Beginning to end, my life in your hand. Great, great is your seated kids you're dismissed well everybody doing okay well we are in the second week of advent and i don't know if you're familiar with advent or not hopefully you are but uh but if it's something new for you it is uh, a long-standing christian tradition that uh, basically is another latin word for waiting and you may be asking well what are you waiting for and the early church celebrated what people waited for for generations and that was the birth of christ and as we take that celebration and we re-dramatize it once again and think about it around the christmas season um, we think about what it was like when people before christ came uh, held on to the faithfulness of god as he gave them promises and trusted that the promises as they trusted him would one day manifest in a way that was beyond what they would ever imagine and then jesus came and the wait was no more and yet um we know that the time between jesus's birth and the ministry that he conducted and the and the empty tomb and the resurrection kind of signaled that um there's still more more work to be done and that's through us the church until he comes again so we wait, and we wait some more, but along the way, we know that he is with us. And because of that, uh, we can gather, and we can experience his presence, and we can know his um, track record and trust that he's going to be at work. So there's a lot of things that happen on the, in the day-to-day in your life and mine that just show that he's there. One of them I'm just grateful for, uh, today we have, uh, we have the director of uh, Salem Parks with us. Uh, because he was almost deleted from the uh, landscape in Portugal. Uh, uh, Shane lost his wallet uh, while traveling, and God miraculously, and we'll give God the credit for this one, 
God miraculously returned it back to you. <clears throat> you know, my son Christian had that happen in India. I don't know if you remember that story, but um, all I can say is God watches out for us fools whenever we travel abroad. And uh, we're so glad that you're back here. And I appreciate you coming full circle on what you uh, were praying for, and now you're praising God. And so I just want to lift that up. And I think any time you pray, you need to be trusting in God's faithfulness. And then on the other side of that, you need to return to him um, the blessing and the thanksgiving because um, uh, that, that's what he, he wants from us. And we appreciate who he is as we do that. I uh, also want to uh, remind you, if you're not aware of it, uh, we've had some uh, longstanding members. They haven't attended for a long time. I know they've had health issues and so forth. Uh, but some of you may have may remember um, uh, Ray and Raymond and uh, Twyla Laura, uh, who attended here some years ago. They passed away this year, and they're doing a memorial service tomorrow uh, at 11 o'clock here at the church. So if anybody um, knew them and wants to attend, um, it's certainly open to that for that memorial service. Uh, just uh, just real briefly, um, anybody have anything that they're coming full circle on as far as a praise or something that they're thankful for uh, since we're coming off of the Thanksgiving season? My mom's doing really good now. She had that stroke about three weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. She's back to ordering you around, right? Okay, good. We'll take that as a praise. Okay. All right. Becky? Um, just a few weeks ago, Sean and mother-in-law were here. Okay. In the height of the pregnancy. Okay. Um, the baby babies everywhere. It's raining babies. Baby Palooza. So pray for your daughter-in-law, Brittany, and um, pray also for uh, Lexi with uh, the ex expectant news that she has. So that's really good. Anything else? All right. Any concerns that you have as far as uh, anything we can lift up before the Lord? All right, Diane? Jordan McGuire's daughter, she's going through a lot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been praying for Jordan, uh, so we'll keep Jordan lifted up as he goes through these health concerns. And if he needs the transplant, then hopefully Lord will open up that door and prolong his life. Okay. Uh, don't forget, there is a congregational meeting following the worship service today. Uh, so uh, just grateful for all the things that um, God's been doing in our church so we can, we can recognize that and then look forward to calling um, uh, elders and uh, moving into 2023. Um, so with all that said, would you bow with me and let's just take this moment before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that as we have sung about your faithfulness and we read almost in every page of the New Testament, we see a testimony to that aspect of your presence here on earth and your continuing presence through your Holy Spirit as um, the advocate and the one who is here to help us along 
um, has been given as you have returned to the right hand of the Father, ruling as King of kings and Lord of lords. We're thankful that as you have given us a vision of who God is through your embodiment, Lord Jesus, that we see the Father, but we also see the power of the Spirit at work and a community that is one, uh, one aspect of who you are, Son, bringing glory to the Father through the power of the Spirit and the Spirit uh, glorifying both and just that, that circle of bringing to bear um, uh, the, the, the attentiveness of, of the other part of the Trinity. It's such a great mystery to imagine that community. And it's even more profound to think about each of us being asked to join that community through what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. So we thank you and we celebrate that. We thank you that you have given us such good news and we pray that we'd be faithful in our stewardship over it. And if there's anyone here, Lord, that you're calling to be a part of your family, that you would just work in in, in that person's heart uh, so that they could recognize that there is something very real that you have in store for them. And we want to be that community of people that's in a community with you, Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that represents things that are heavenly realities, the heavenly kingdom that is now here on earth. And it is a place of refuge in a world of chaos and madness. And I just pray, Father, you help us to to, to, to bring that to bear upon any life that you're drawing into um, your kingdom and into your family. I pray for all the people that we were able to serve uh, last week as far as uh, the hospitality that we, we, we've been um, given the opportunity to provide, enabled. And I thank you, Father, for just hopefully reflecting yourself through us to those lives. And if there's anyone within that, that, um, that, that guest list that we had who you are drawing to your family, we pray that um, may it be our church or any other church in the community that is following your will and purpose, that they could find that home and that community of people that they could connect with. I'm so grateful, Father, for the family that you've created here. And that in, in reality, I am just one of many people who minister to um, other people. And I'm so grateful for not only the elders and the staff, but all those who you have placed on their hearts a desire to serve and to just bring the reality of your presence, your kingdom to bear upon lives and uh, people that um, need to hear your voice and need to do that through faithful and obedient followers of your son. I pray for Amy um, as she's traveling right now, and I just ask, Lord, that you bless her and her family, and I pray for all of our kids as they gather that your presence would be just in that space um, every time they meet, and they could know you and they could see you come alive in the lives of the people that um, are, are the adults come alongside. And there's just so much to pray for, Father. We just ask that you bless our congregational meeting as you have given us the privilege of being congregationally led and we call elders to oversee that responsibility and we call pastors and, and, and staff members to be able to take that which um, we have been given full time to attend to the health of the body and just the way that works uh, so wonderfully as your Holy Spirit enables. 
And so, Father, as I take all of these things that we've just mentioned, the young lives that are being formed in wombs and the, the mothers that are carrying them, uh, those that are grieving from the love of lost ones and those who are celebrating things that are lost that have been found, um, we are so thankful, Father, that in every one of those situations, you can be found faithful. And so we want to trust you in those places as we trust you in, um, in this time of meeting around your word. May your word um, uh, just go deep into our hearts and may it speak to us as your spirit uniquely and mysteriously um, talks to, 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 to where we're at in the season of life we're at and the needs that we have. Um, so we trust you with all this, Father, and um, we want to align our hearts and our minds with you. So would, would you pray with me now the Lord's Prayer as we do exactly that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we um, move into the second week of Advent, you may notice that it is a little bit different this year than what we've done in the past. Uh, we've attempted to do something, and I think um, it's working out very well uh, as far as how we've approached it. And if you've um, been following along with us, uh, you know we have uh, these Advent devotional guides that are free. They're on the back table. And if you don't have one, we encourage you to pick one up. And it's a way of tracking through the season of Advent, uh, the themes that we're, we're talking about in worship, and perhaps God is speaking to you regarding um, the things that um, lead up to Advent as we, we wait to celebrate on Christmas Eve. Um, what is so unique about this year, if you haven't, haven't really uh, noticed, is that we are taking something that I've never done before, and we're magnifying it. And that is... Um, uh, when you read the story in the book of Matthew regarding the birth of Jesus and the circumstances that surrounded that birth, Matthew starts out by describing Jesus' past, his history. Because like, like Je Jesus, like every one of us, has a history. And sometimes uh, we don't think about Jesus in that way. We just see him as God in the form of a man, and, and that's it. But the reality is, like every one of us, we are connected to the people that have gone before us. I mean, first of all, you would not be here if it wasn't for those people. I don't know what your family tree looks like. Um, I could tell you about my family tree, but it would be completely boring uh, because uh, there are names that I can't even pronounce. There are stories that probably are pretty mundane. There's a few outliers, like um, somebody said we're connected to Robert E. Lee and Martha Washington. I don't know if that's true. Other people have said, well, you know what, there's also some horse thieves on one line. And uh, we decided that we were just going to ignore that. And so you can take your family tree and, and you can look at your past and you can say, this is what we're going to do with it. And we might brag about the things that are good and we may gloss over or suppress the things that are bad. What Jesus did as he came to planet Earth and joined us in the earthly experience 
was he identified with those people in his past. And some of the people that are brought up in Matthew's genealogy, um, you wonder, where are you going with, with these individuals? Because they're, they're not perfect people by any stretch. And in the culture of the day, um, e even though, uh, you know, in some places you see women listed, uh, they're, they're definitely a very small minority of, of people that are included in the listing of names when one person begat another person begat another person. But what Matthew did was something I think we have to pay attention to. And I'm going to show you um, what my, um, my version of the Bible, whenever I uh, highlighted it, and I was reading through the genealogy, um, these names popped out. The names of, of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and um, Bathsheba, the wife of David, who isn't actually mentioned as Bathsheba, just the wife of David. And then when you kind of process all of those names that are listed, you wind up with uh, the last name, and that is the one that... Um, we'll be concentrating on, on Christmas Eve, the name of the mother of Jesus, Mary. But the question is, why was it important to include them in this genealogical um, uh, survey? Because the fact is, if you, if you know anything about biblical genealogies, they don't always include everybody. Because a similar genealogy is listed in the book of, I think, First Chronicles in, in, in chapters uh, one through nine, and it lists a whole lot of people, and some of them aren't listed in there. But what is being done by Matthew is trying to make a point that there's, um, in a sense, um, there, there's a description of the key people, and then there's a, a, a rhythm of, of mentioning 14 to, uh, to like, like through Abraham, and then 14 to David, and then 14 to Jesus. And Matthew wants us to kind of take the summation of that, and I don't know how you guys look at numbers and their significance, like, you know, maybe three is your lucky number or 21 or whatever, but if you were a, a, a person who read the Bible back in the day, numbers sort of had a value and a meaning as well in ways that we don't really apply, and in this case, the number seven was a number of completion based on the creation days. Number 14 meant double completion. And what Matthew was trying to show people who were primarily Jewish, that um, you had three sets of seven times two. And that, in our minds, is like, okay, you're starting to talk mathematical. You're losing me. I mean, I'd be lost if I were sitting there. But I'll just say this. Matthew's saying that in the right way, at the right time, God brought Jesus into the world, and the timing was perfect. And the people that were engaged in the process of bringing God's Son through God's promises into the world, they were the right people. And Jesus saw no shame in any of the names that were connected. And I find that very intriguing uh, because in a lot of ways, one of the biggest barriers that people have is there's a sense of if I come to church, the lightning bolts are going to start flying. Or if I come to church, you know, the roof is going to cave in. And I've heard these stories time and time again. And most of the time in the background, there is a sense of, you don't know my past. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. 
And if people knew, they wouldn't see me the same. The reason why Matthew included these names is because Jesus had a past. And the stories behind the people that are listed in his genealogy, there's a bunch of them. And most of them have sketchy elements. They've got elements of celebration and triumph and pretty much everything in between. And as we're showcasing each of these ladies, um, because as it turns out, we have four women, four weeks of Advent, and, um, and, and, and Mary for Christmas Eve. So, you know, if you're talking completion of numbers, this, thing, this seems to work out real well. I may go get some scratch-offs after we get done at the Circle Case. So I need to make a note of that. Um, but anyway, as, um, as we're going through these different names, and we think about the life of, of, of Tamar and what God did in her life to ensure that we had a promise that was given to Abraham that through his seed all the nations would be blessed. And in the unfolding of that through the descendants of Abraham, there is a young lady named Tamar who wants to have a child but has a lot of unfortunate family drama and baggage that's kept that from happening. God, God saw the pain of what she was experiencing, and he recognized in the limitations of the world that she was in, she had to, she had to use some pretty unusual means to try to find a way to have a child. And God, he looked at that, and he didn't say, oh, you didn't do that the right way. He said, it's not how you start out, but how you end up that matters. And Tamar was one of those people that she had a little bit of a past in that regard. And then there's another person that's showing up today named Rahab. As we explore her story for just a little bit, we find that, um, well, she's got things going on that uh, really make her somebody that you wouldn't even want to mention at a family reunion. First of all, she's a Canaanite. And if you were an Israelite in that moment that she was on the timeline, um, you were slated for death. As harsh as that sounds, she was connected to people that um, God, for reasons that you can read in the Advent devotional, God said um, th this, this whole group of people has to be, they, they have to be gotten rid of. And as, as sketchy as that sounds, there are reasons why that makes sense God had to do that, which we won't go into. All that to say is that Rahab as a Canaanite would be the last person that you would imagine showing up in Jesus' past. Yet God is one of those beings that has a, a standard that defines his character. And yet he has a heart that so deeply and profoundly loves human beings in all of their messiness and brokenness and rebelliousness. A heart that says, despite all of that, I want you in my world. And Rahab, for reasons that we don't fully understand, heard something 
about this God before the Israelites showed up at Jericho's doorstep. And it was, it was creating within her a desire that said, that God, that God, the God of the Israelites, the God who took the Red Sea and parted it and destroyed the Egyptians, the God who had shown mercy and blessing to the Israelites, I'm intrigued by that God. I want to know that God. And so while the Israelites in Joshua chapter 1 have waited 40 years in the wilderness for things to happen, for people who were unwilling to go forward with God's plan to basically die off so that a new generation could walk into the promised land and carry on the role and the responsibility that they were called to do, God was waiting for 40 years. Moses waited. Joshua and Caleb waited. And as they waited, there came that day when it was time to go in. And the book of Joshua says uh, they were queued up and they were ready to go. And as they talk about crossing the Jordan River, on the way to that crossing, they are, they're, they're looking at a place called Jericho. And we get this weird story about spies being sent in, and they go to a place. Well, we'll just pick it up in the, in the, uh, in, in the text. So you can either watch the screen or you can, you can just follow along with me. Here we go. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from, I'm guessing you pronounced that, Shatim, so Lord forgive me if I said that wrong, as spies saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come, come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house. For they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, um, the men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had, she had brought them up to the roof and then with sacks of flax that she had laid um, in order on the roof. <laughs> so the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan. And as far as the Fords, which I don't know if it's Chevy's, Fords, whatever they had back then. And, the, and then, the, then, then the gate was shut. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out and before the men lay down, she came up to, to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of, the, of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, who um, 
were known as, as, as giants and formidable, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens, above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, that is, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will, you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this, uh, this business of ours, uh, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Hold on, we're getting close. Um, then she let them down by a rope through the window, uh, for her house was built into the, into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or, uh, or the pursuers will encounter you and contacts are messing up and, and hide them three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this, um, this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall, um, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother and brothers and all your father's house. And there goes the first pew of Advent. We just hit the pause button right here, and that'll be that. Okay, everybody okay? You guys are watching us online. This is our annual pew-breaking contest. has nothing to do with the people in it. It's just we're an old church. All right, if everybody's good, I'm going to try to capture your attention again. So hook your peepers back up there on that, and, and, le and let's keep going uh, through this. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and he shall be guiltless. Um, well, talk about letting him down. I'm fast-forwarding here. But if, a, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you, if you tell the business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she led, tied the scarlet cord in the window. Okay, now that was a lot to read, but I think it's important to kind of recapture that story because when you read that word, Rahab in the genealogy, that is actually just sort of like a, 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 a shorthand reminder of the story that you and I just went through. Not the pew part, but the rest of it. And, and, and so if you, if you think about 
I mean, you think about pews just getting destroyed. Imagine the walls that were getting ready to fall down that, that were so thick that people lived inside of them. That's disruptive. And as Rahab is making this agreement with the spies, it's, it's loaded with a lot of language that um, as people who read Hebrew read the story, they see a word show up called chesed. Can you say that with me? Chesed. You got to say it like, like you're spitting almost. That was kind of fun. So um, that word actually means faithfulness. Covenantal faithfulness. It is a kind of faithfulness that you swear by. It is the kind of faithfulness that God says, when I say I am faithful, I am declaring on oath that I am faithful. And the biggest challenge that you and I have is trust. And if you could hear the exchange happening between the spies and Rahab, there's some trust issues there. Like if you, if, you, if you honor the thing, it'll go good. But if you don't honor it, which we're not sure if you're going to honor it or not, we're just not really sure if we can trust you. Well, bad things are going to happen. And when God looks at us, we may say, well, you know what? Um, we have to be afraid because bad things are going to happen. Well, I would suggest that if your life is not oriented towards the presence of God and every good thing that God originally has had in mind for all of us from the beginning, then chances are bad things are going to happen in an even worse way than we experience now. The scripture talks about situations where repeatedly people decided that they were going to go their own way. And God says, I'm just going to give you over. If you think you've got a better map for how you live life, then I'd say go for it. But the reality is God created us in his image and his likeness in this creation that we live in. And as he created, he said it is good, meaning that everything works together for a purpose. It's like any well-oiled machine that you see that all the moving parts are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing but if you try to take some parts out or let's say you know like, like when I was a kid and I was watching my dad work on cars and he had tools and he had engines and things that he was working on and so one day I just went out to the garage and I said I'm going to work on things like my dad but I didn't understand what I was doing. And pretty soon, um, he goes uh, uh, out to the garage, and um, he hears things dropping into what sounds like a, a liquid-filled container. And then he discovers that I'm on the other side of the car, dropping all of his wrenches into the gas tank. And I'm assuming that's how it works, right? And he said that, you know, Ever since we, before we sold that car, every time we were around the corner, we'd hear clang, 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 clang. And I was guessing that wasn't supposed to work that way. And the anger on his face sort of underscored that. It wasn't that my God, my, 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 my father didn't love me. It was that my father said, you don't know what you're doing. And when God looks at us, he says, when you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't work. And Rahab was the only person in that whole mix that said the Canaanites don't know what they're doing. 
the people around me don't know what they're doing, but I'm stuck here. But it would appear that my instinct is telling me something deep from inside of my being. My, my GPS is saying that, that God knows what he's doing. Those people kind of know what they're doing, but that is the way to go. And God is saying that same thing to you and I from day one. I am the way. As a matter of fact, Rahab is important to us because her life was one of many lives that were responsible for the transmission of the promised seed, the promised one who would come through Abraham and ultimately be the promised seed of Abraham, who would also be the promised son of David, the king. And Rahab, of all people, a Canaanite, had a vital role in showing us the way when she started out being the one looking for the way. What's so fascinating about this story is it brings up a couple of things. One is um, when Rahab is mentioned in the story, she's also remembered three times in the New Testament. Um, the first one being in the story of the genealogy of Jesus, you know, his backstory. The second one being in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews where it showcases all the people that trusted in God's faithfulness. So they call that sort of the hall of faith. And wouldn't you know it, Rahab was one of those people that showed up and said, she believed, she trusted, she was faithful. And God honored that. And then the next mention of it is by James, who is a very Jewish. And he said, Rahab was a righteous person because she did what was according to God's purpose in that moment in trying to accomplish the, um, the, the conquest of the promised land. And James says, that righteousness, that is, that right way of thinking according to the plan of God was in fact a testimony to the rest of us that our minds need to be attuned accordingly. So I'm going to try to unpack some of these chunks here of information because we're First Christian Church in the, in, in, the, in the year of our Lord, 2021, a long time away from the life of Rahab. But God's purposes, I don't believe, change a whole lot between now and then except for the introduction of Jesus into the equation and everything that follows. So Jesus walks into a variety of circumstances in his three-year time here on earth. And as he does, he earns a reputation for spending time with all people. Matthew, Luke, and John mentioned this. With tax collectors and prostitutes. Tax collectors and sinners. And there's something about the presence of Jesus that irks them. Because he's identifying with, of all people, the people that you should not socially be within any close proximity with, let alone the complaint that they had that he eats with them, which means he accepts them. 
And Jesus was scandalous because he accepted the people that were, in the minds of many people, an embarrassment on society. And yet those are the very people he went to. And this is what I believe. I believe two things from this that we need to take away. And the first one is the most important thing about your past, whether it's your past, FCC's past, or the past of Jesus. The most important thing is how you carry it. Because you can deny your past. You can celebrate your past. I know some people that are haunted by their past. I know people that can never forgive themselves day in and day out because of their past. And I know people who live in denial of their past. And the thing about history is if you don't pay attention to it, they say you'll repeat the same mistakes over. But the other thing is if you have it, you need to know how to relate to it. And I'm guessing that every one of, of us in the room share some things in common. One of them is we've done things in our past that we regret. And we know that we can find forgiveness for that. We know one who can help us to relate to the past in the healthiest way possible. We have other people and maybe the same people who look at the past and they celebrate the things that have happened in the past, as we should. We have other people who romanticize the past, edit out all the negative, and they say, nostalgically, if only we had those kind of good old days again. Well, I've been here for a long time, and I don't remember the good old days. I just remember every day was mixed. Some good, some bad, and I just know that time has told me you better celebrate everything in every day that you see. And you better recognize that in the dark valleys of practically every day, that God is faithful. And that is how you carry your past with you. Sometimes it has a role where we recognize and honor. Sometimes it has a role where we are humbled and we remember. Sometimes it has a role where we learn and we say, I'm not going to do that again. And Jesus had a way of taking the substance of his past and using it the right way and carrying it with him the right way. And one of the things I think in John 4, when he met this woman at the well, he asked her was, uh, you need to go get your husband. And she knew, he knew there were some issues going on here relationally that were not normal. First of all, she's by herself at a well, meaning that nobody wants anything to do with her. So secondly, he's saying, I know your heart, but I still love you. And interestingly enough, when they had a discussion. This is one of the few places where Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Most places, he's not telling anybody, but he tells her. Then there's another place where a bunch of religious leaders are getting ready to stone a woman caught in adultery. Not the guy, but the woman. And 
I didn't know it worked that way, but only one actually did it and the other one didn't. Right? Maybe I'm naive about this. And Jesus said, uh, you know what? If you're without sin, then I guess, um, you know, chuck those stones away. And there was something about the compassion in the eyes of Jesus that drew her to him after everybody who was her judge, jury, and executioner walked away. Something redemptive happened. And I think it's because these are two cases in point where Jesus looked at a woman who had some troubled times in her past that brought a high degree of social shame. And he said, I have good news for you. Everything that you need to move forward, I have for you. What I love about the woman at the well, she was the very first one to go back to her community and tell everybody about Jesus. What I love about the woman at the empty tomb is that why the disciples are cowering in fear. The women are there saying, what's going on with Jesus? Just throwing themselves right in the middle of it. Pretty bold and audacious. But Jesus came from a family line, a very bold and audacious people. Like Rahab, who told the king, yeah, 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 yeah. You, go, you need to go way out there and chase those guys. There they go. And then trusted that these spies who she didn't really trust, but the God that they represented, she did. That he would save her. And so everybody has a history. And usually we don't want to remember our history because we're afraid that it's going to repeat itself. We don't remember the horse thieves because we don't want to be identified with a person who follows that pattern. But in the Bible, when we remember, we also see something here. There was a relational agreement between the spies and Rahab, but there was a deeper agreement that Rahab was working out with God with the limited knowledge that she had. And that was, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to save your spies. And God, I'm trusting you to bring me into that family of people that you have called, even though we're slated for execution. That's pretty bold. Every relationship is based on agreements. Every one of them. If you have any kind of a connection with a person, you have some kind of understanding of how we can move forward in our conversation. Most of them are informal. In the Bible, they're covenantal. And there's something about knowing where other people are coming from, knowing what they've agreed to, knowing what the expectations are on their part, and them knowing the expectations on your part, that does what? It brings peace. It brings peace. Because have you ever had a relational agreement with somebody and there just appears to be a lot of misunderstanding? There's a lot of 
I thought the expectations were this when it appears to be that. And out of that just comes a whole lot of worry and anxiety and uncertainty. And God wants to show us in 101 ways that when he makes an agreement with you and I, he is faithful. Remember that word? <laughs> Hairball. Chesed. It's not a nice sounding word, but you know, German isn't nice sounding either. Latin sounds better than German. No offense to the German people, but I'm part German, so I can chime in. It's not a nice sounding word, but it is a beautifully meaning word because it is God's covenantal faithfulness for you and I. And the thing that links us to Jesus is very similar to the thing that linked Jesus to Rahab. The thing that linked Jesus to the people who were slaves in Israel and needed to be delivered. There's a red cord in this story, this scarlet cord. And it's just a representation of the color red, the significance of the blood over the doorpost in Egypt, and the red that represented the salvation of Rahab when everything else was dedicated to destruction. It is the red cord that goes through all of Scripture and lands in a manger and then moves from there to a cross where the red bloodstains of Christ reflect exactly how much love God has for you and I. God loves us exactly for who we are, but he loves us too much to keep us there. And all of these women, the one thing about each of their stories is they kind of went from one place to a better place in their relationship with God. And that's why they're celebrated. All of them have a story, and somewhere along the way, they linked their story to God's story, and God said, I'm going to show you how you can relate to your past and how you can look forward to your future in a way that is the most healthy. And he's not just talking to those guys. He's talking to you. He's talking to us. And he's assuring us. I did all of that very patiently through space and time with imperfect people because I wanted to signal more than anything else how important you are to me. As a matter of fact, I know that part of your problem is the sin in your heart, but I also know, as John also says, the other part of, part of it is we're held captive to the prince of this world, and it is the blood of Christ that rescues us, that purchases us and enables us to live in God's kingdom and to know the joy of the Lord and to have peace that passes all understanding no matter what is happening in the world. 
And that's what I want to bring you today, that peace. Through the peace treaty that God made with all of us, with Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a word of prayer, and then Jerry's going to lead us up to a covenantal meal based on the blood of Christ. And we're going to experience the faithfulness of God through that, that ritual. But would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, as we take this moment and we sanctify it for you, we pray that you would enable us to comprehend the significance of this story, that you would just convict us in our hearts of those things that we've heard that we need to take into action and defining um, behaviors that will move beyond this place into a new outlook on life. I pray for those who have settled their peace with you to just renew that and renew their strength. And I pray for those who haven't, that you would just continue to stir their hearts until they do. And I thank you, Lord, for the great gift that you've given us through your son as we celebrate it. And so use us as your body to come alongside anyone that you direct us to, to ensure that your purposes would be done in us and through us and for anyone that you love and care for. And I pray this in Jesus' name. now perfect a couple things as you're opening up communion um, we'll be ending our service today following communion the reminder of the congregational meeting will be following if you want to take a few minutes grab a coffee some food a snack um, there will be a few of us back there uh, handing out the ballots and the budget summary that we'll be voting on and then uh, we'll come back in and we can get our, our meeting started if you'll bow with me as we pray Heavenly Father we we come now to this table the same table that we meet at weekly have this communion that you have orchestrated the same same love that you orchestrated this with you orchestrated the 40 years wait in the desert and the 40 days of rain and the three days hiding in the hills outside of Jericho and we wait this meal and we thank you for this this bread representing your body and we just ask that you nourish that to us as we partake and as we we think of that red cord that runs throughout the stories of the bible from the cord hanging outside of the window the red your death on the cross. Ask that as we take this juice, 
we bless both of these elements to our bodies. We so thankfully take and we just reflect on, on your life, on our history, on your history. Thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Feel free to stay in your, in your seat as long as you like, uh, but we're going to conclude our time, and um, hopefully what God has done in this room today has furthered his purpose for your lives, and as we gather in a few minutes, um, hopefully uh, you, can, you can reconvene with us, and we can uh, go through the process of just um, thinking about what an organized church needs to think about to stay healthy, and um, so... Grateful you guys could gather with us. Don't forget to get your Advent devotional book. Don't forget to sign up if uh, you feel convicted after Rachel. Where, where do I go to sign up again, Rachel? Okay, so just follow her lead. Brittany's pointing to the, uh, the, the, the board in the part of the right ba out back. It, yeah. This is why we're having an organizational meeting afterwards. All right. All right. Well, thank you, guys, and hopefully you all have a great week, and um, see you again next week.